Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast, where we connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories and chat about topics relevant to today's modern women. Here are your inspired women. Hi, my name is Megan Hall, and I'm the founder of Megan Hall Motivation, and I am here with my bestie, Jules. Hi, I'm Jules. I'm from Julie Clay Creative, and we're hanging out today to talk about change. Yeah, change can be a little scary for people. Sometimes they're like, "Ah, oh, no," because our our brain is like, "No, no, I'm I'm safe here in my comfort zone. This is scary." And so Jules and I had to have a really hard conversation a couple weeks ago. By the time you guys hear it, it'll be like over a month that's gone by. <laughs> and I, I'm empathic, Jules empathic, and I know some of you don't believe in the woo, but we're a little woo-woo over here. Yes. And uh, I truly can sense how other people are feeling, that things are off and things are uncomfortable. And I had to approach Jules and say, Jules, what's going on? <laughs> so what and, was and going for on? for the record, I had the flu. <laughs> she did have the flu. Uh, that's something definitely, definitely not right. Because you don't get the flu and not share it with your family. Yes, that's very true. And we found out that her flu cleared up after we had our conversation. So what yeah. was going on, Jules? What was going on? Um, we, we're talking about expanding the podcast about two or three months before this all occurred. And I had to come to you and say, I don't have the brain space and the capacity to, to do that side of the house. Um so very, very happily said, I need to I need to step back and say no, which for me is a first because I'm learning to say no. Your life is coach is really awesome. Yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> but when you have to say no to your own life coach, that, that makes life interesting. <laughs> um, and then I I just remember there was all like there was just that niggle of what's gonna happen with the podcast. We're about to move home to Australia. Um, you know, there's, there's some big changes afoot with businesses and lifestyle and integrating going home, which is going to be very interesting having come over here and changed and grown. And there was a couple of questions floating around my head about, you know, when, when we're going to be podcasting back home, how are we going to work time-wise? Because obviously it's going to be either two in the morning for me to be nine, ten in the morning for you or vice versa. And yeah, there was just a couple of things like that. So the transition home is going to be about five weeks as well. So podcasting in between with limited or not sure how internet would be, that was what was going on in my head. I knew I had to have a conversation with you. I knew it was coming. Um, obviously you knew that too because you, you'd poked the question a couple of times and I went, no, 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 it'll be fine, it'll be fine, we'll make it work. And I know that I had asked you about it and you went, no, 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 it'll be fine, we'll make it work, we'll make it work. But when it actually came to a head, we both went, yeah, actually we do need to talk about this and we do need to make make some change because although I still want to cameo and stick my head in but do like the behind-the-scenes stuff, like the graphics that we have been doing, um, I'll still be here but just not not sitting with you every podcast yeah, it was sad. It was a hard conversation, but I knew something like wasn't right. Like something wasn't right. And you have your business has like blown up recently. Like you're you have like jobs at the wazoo. You're doing amazing things and you have like some really awesome 
plans for when you get back home. And I, I knew that. So when you came to me, like Jules had said, we, we were talking about expanding the podcast, which is still something that is happening, just not as fast. So we started with the community and now in the community, we're discussing having a retreat um, this year. So I'm very excited about that. I am. I'm, I'm gathering information. So if anybody hasn't joined the Inspired Women community yet, if you are a woman or you identify as a woman, we are there to support you and provide you resources on your journey. But it's also, I want to blend more of what I do with Megan Hall Motivation with the Inspired Women podcast and be able to pour into women because it's something that's really exciting and I love it. So I'm trying to blend that that sort of thing because I really love what the Inspired Women podcast stands for and I want women to have more of that ability to connect and to, you know, ha- build those friendships and have that support and get those resources. And that's why I changed um, the name of my meetups locally because they're more aligned with the Inspired Women podcast where women just can connect and meet and everything like that. So Jules has like all these amazing plans when she goes back to Australia and we weren't sure how the logistics would work. And then all of this, like it was all like this big like mountain of stuff that just, it was hard. It was a hard conversation. Like what was going through your mind at that time, Jules? It was really interesting because over the last like 12 months, I mean, sitting here going, what am I meant to be doing? Can I just get like a, a bucket of what I'm meant to be doing poured over my head? And it was a it was probably about a month ago. I was sitting with a notepad and I was like, Oh my god, this is all the things. Like these are all the things that I wanna be doing and um you know, my my vision for what I think I wanna do in the next like five to ten years. Um and then I remember sitting there and having this feeling of, well, what am I doing now to get me to that space? And there were a few things that really didn't align with that. And then like the podcast does because of the community and the building and the supporting of women especially. Um, and I was like, but how is that going to fit in? And there was that that question there. I was like, oh, and now everything I'm doing, I I keep turning to that and thinking, am I going like to that direction? And I know with the community, that's something that both of us, when we first sat down, were, were really passionate about. And I still feel really strongly about that. That's something that is so needed across all cultures, races, um, like backgrounds, employment levels, like whether you're a, a, a teenager just looking into stepping into life or you're a mum who's raised the kids for you know, like the last 10, 15 years or if you are a businesswoman or if you are a mum, an aunt, a sister, you know, like everybody needs support at some point in their life and it's just a really nice space for, you know, the support and the talk and just to have a tribe that uplifts you more than anything else. So, And it's nice because it's a safe space with just women. Like... That's the problem with a lot of things that I've, like, gotten involved with is men change the energy of, you know, things when you add men to something that's predominantly women. It changes the energy. And we mentioned Kelly Ruda's uh, Facebook group before on this podcast. She's now changed it to the Millionaire Mindset, I believe, group 
or whatever it is because that's that's where she, the direction she's going. Uh, but for a while, she had a handful of guys in there. But you could tell that women wouldn't open up the way that they needed to because of the guys. As soon as those guys were removed from the group, because she made an announcement, she said, listen, I come to the realization that having gentlemen in a tribe for, for women is changing the dynamics, is changing the energy. She's like, so I'm, I asked them, I told them politely that I was going to remove them just for that very fact. And they're very understanding. And she said, as soon as she removed those men, you could see the energy and the dynamics in that group change. And I want a, a, pl a safe place for women, a safe, positive environment for women so that they can come together and get that support, get that resources and meet women of other walks of life that aren't in their status quo that get yeah. may, maybe it makes them a little uncomfortable because they're like, wow, this is just not what I'm used to. But it kind of opens our eyes and opens our minds to different things. That's why on the podcast, like I want to have those conversations. Like I want to get those people on that are willing to let me probe a little bit and ask questions that I'm really curious about that might I'm not trying to offend them, but some people it might offend because yep. I'm curious. Like I've, I've mentioned a couple of times, I would love to get a transgender woman on here because I want to know about the process, like, you know, the decision-making, like how that changes how you feel. Like, I don't know because I'm not, I'm not a transgender woman. Yeah. Um, it's those but they're questions that everybody, you know, can't, it's, it's everybody questions has that them. get, yeah, but they don't get talked about. Really? Nobody, nobody allows the space to talk about those things. No. And it's the same, we were talking yesterday about religion. I would love to sit down with um, a, like a Muslim woman, for example, because I'm so intrigued by their culture because our culture is so different. I'd love to have that space to ask questions and, you know, to find out from her perspective what she loves to do, what why she loves her you know, race and culture, because I think there's so much fear around them for just propaganda, really, at the end of the day. And it, it really needs to be looked at from both sides. I agree. I, I really want to have those, like, hard conversations, those, like, no BS conversations. Like, so much that I am involved in have, like, a connotation of, like, either religious connotation in the background or a business connotation in the background. And why can't we just come together as women of all walks of life, of all races, religions, income levels, like all of it, you know, uh, sexual orientation and have conversations. Maybe they're a little uncomfortable, but they're questions that need to be asked because you don't know what you don't know. And if I've mm. never experienced it in my life, how am I supposed to know what it's like? Yeah. And that's where a lot of... Um preconceived like judgments and oh, I don't know what it's called you know when when you perceive something some way and you come from a very uneducated place and say something and you offend somebody if you don't know the education already or you know like the view or the story of someone else yeah. there's no way you can relate or understand what what is actually going on for that person so no, yeah. absolutely not. It's like people talking to me, like a lot of, there's a lot of um, stigma attached to being a teen mom. And this came up yesterday because I was in, a, I'm in an entrepreneurial mm. moms group and they asked, how old were you when you had your first child? I am the only person that answered 16, by the way. And it's just that stigma. You could tell like there was interaction with everybody else talking and like my 16 just stood up there for like ever. And then there was a couple people 
And it was that first person that said, wow, I can't imagine what you went through. That's, that's amazing that you're where you are now after having a daughter at 16. And then it started like this trickling effect where there was a couple more women that hopped on underneath that and said, wow, that's amazing. It must've been very scary for you. It was scary for me at 26 years old. Yeah. I can't imagine what it was for six at 16. And so it was that, but you could tell that 16 stood up there for a really long time before anybody had the balls to say, Oh, yeah. wow, that must have been hard for you versus coming from that judgment place. Like, uh-huh, teen mom. Um, so but you, you had a wonderful mom who helped yeah. and allowed you to continue education. Like I know a couple of people that were teen moms and both both of you had that support from home and I think that's so important that, you know, if that ever happened, God forbid to TT, I know that I would say to her, you go and do your school and I'll support you from home as much as you need. But at the end of the day, this is your child and I want you to be mum. I don't want to be the one to take over that. But, you know, we're here to support whatever you need to do. I mean, that thought goes through my head all the time. My daughter's 14. Uh It's only two years younger than I was when I got pregnant. Like, that goes through my, like, what would I do? Well, Mm. I'm going to support her. Like, whatever happens, I'm going to support her because... My dad literally didn't talk to me for two years when he yeah. found out I was pregnant with Carmel. Two years, he didn't have a single conversation with me. If I answered the phone when he called to talk to my sister, he'd hang up on me. He would not speak a word to me for two years. It's ridiculous. Like, how can you just shun your child because they do something that you're maybe not the most proud of? Of course, yeah, I know. I was the straight-A student. I did all the, the, the things right forever and ever and ever. And I make mm-hmm. one oopsie and now... Yeah. being shunned like that's ridiculous so it's like mm. those conversations where we need to get these these stories out there these stories of adversity these stories of you know maybe things that people perceive differently because they've never been there and there's a stigma attached to it i i want to get people on here talking about mental health if there's somebody who's yeah. bipolar diagnosed bipolar would like to come on and talk about their struggle with bi- being bipolar i would like to hear about it because i'm not bipolar I've experienced people who are bipolar and don't take their medication, and it's very scary. Um, but, you know, I want to talk to somebody who's experienced it because it's, it's, it's not their fault. You know, people are like, it's your fault. No, it's not. It's a chemical <laughs> imbalance in the person. Like, this is like depression. I struggle with depression most of my life. And a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, just get happy. You can't just get happy. It's not like it's no. like a switch that you switch on. Ooh. That's right. I struggle with anxiety. Thankfully, it doesn't go into depression, but the anxiety side of it, like I always have to be moving or doing something like with my hands. So even when we're talking yesterday, I was sitting and picking the skin around my, my nails. That's that's one of my things that I, I do and I know I do it. My uncle, he's always moving and my grand, I remember sitting with her, she's the same. She was She knitted so that kept her hands busy and she's a phenomenal knitter. Um, but she also would chew her lip. And I, even from a little girl, I only met her maybe five or six times in my life. But I always remember her, like, chewing her lip because that's just we have a, a higher tendency of movement in our family. Like, that's just what we have to do. We have to be active and we have to be moving. And, yeah, but the first few podcasts we did, I was freaking out so much that I had a pen and I was clicking it. And I remember you saying to me, stop doing that because I can hear it through the playback and I was like oh sorry so I had to find something to sit 
no, to do, but I mean it is, and and people don't realize and there's so much stigma attached to so many things out there, religion, race, income level. Like I was on, I was on um, welfare when I was in college with my daughter, and there's a lot yeah. of stigma attached to it. I see people all the time posting on Facebook about like let's just get rid of it. the The problem is those people. There are rules in place. They're not strict enough. They're not strict enough for one. And, and there's too many loopholes because I know yeah. people who who use that those loopholes yeah. and grew up in a, a very uh, low a lot of a lot of low income people where I'm from a lot of low income people so I know the loopholes and they're there they need to close up those loopholes they need to stick to their guns and they need to take away welfare from people who aren't doing what they need to be doing they need to yeah. stop being able to use this but it's not there for people to use it as a lifestyle choice it's there for people who need that little extra help maybe you've lost your job and and God forbid anybody out there like loses their job and has to experience this but you lose your job what are you going to do? Like, how, yeah. how are you going to survive? Especially if you have a family. It's yeah. it's for those, it's for It's a safety help. net. It's a safety yeah. net. Yes. It's not meant to be a lifestyle choice. And I see so many people on Facebook judging people on welfare, talking about, oh yeah, I had to wait behind this woman that had a swipe her welfare card. Well, you don't know what that's like unless you're there doing it. It's embarrassing. It is, it's yeah. embarrassing. I was going to say, I was on our equivalent back home while I was at university. Now, I was working five jobs to pay my rent and to pay all the bills and to do the right thing, um, and I would get a small supplement to help with my rental income because obviously where we were, it was expensive. But I loathed going in that office because the people behind the desk had their idea of what you were and, or what you're not, um, and it was terrible. But thankfully at home it transfers into your bank account so you can use a normal, like, credit or debit card whereas one of my girlfriends here put a post up the other day talking about Facebook shaming and she said I'm a young African-American mum she has a little daughter who's a toddler and she said we went and got two baskets of groceries at the store she said I got to the checkout and she said um the lady asked me if I was going to be paying in food stamps and she said no actually I'll be paying in cash and you can hold your judgment <laughs> and she left and I was like good for you because there's so many like it works both ways there's yeah. assumptions made on people because of how they look and there's assumptions made on people because they're on food stamps but you don't know the stories like it, yeah that's and why that, the stories are my important. soapbox <laughs> no that's why the yeah. stories are important and i have so many business owners because i know a lot of business owners i'm an entrepreneur so i, I know yeah. tons of business owners that come to me and want to share their story about their business or how they started their business or anything like that on the the podcast, I'm like, that's not what this is for. This is yeah. not a business podcast. This is to share stories because stories are so strong and they're so profound and they can make such a difference. It can either connect you with somebody who's going through the same thing or open the eyes of somebody who's never been through that before in their yeah. entire lives. Um, and now that Jules is not going to be a predominant part of co-hosting the podcast, we're now going to have multiple opportunities. So not only are we going to be sharing stories every other podcast, but instead of Jules and I talking about life every other podcast, it'll either be me doing a solo round or there's now opportunities for people to guest co-host and they can we can come on and chat about a topic that's relevant to today's modern woman. So that could be relevant to your business. Like say 
you are a makeup artist and you would like to come on and share information about makeup. I don't wear it. So I don't know how to, I don't know anything about yeah. it. I'd love to be informed and educated because I had makeup done for the submarine birthday ball. And every time I looked in the mirror, I was like, who the hell is that? <laughs> it scared me. Yeah. <laughs> because that's not me. And I'm not used to that. And I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever like get into the habit of having my makeup done regularly because it just scared the crap out of me. I mean, it looked beautiful. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it looked beautiful, but that scared yeah. the crap out of me. There's a girl here um, who's one of my friends, and uh, every time she posts on Facebook, I get excited because they're so raw and real and honest with what she's posting. And she put something up the other day about foundation because she she loves wearing makeup. She wears it, like, every day. She doesn't leave the house without it sort of thing. And I wrote a comment on her post and said, this intrigues the hell out of me because I'm like you. I, I don't wear makeup. I rarely, rarely even wear it to go to a ball. I, I might do my eyes, but I'd never wear, like, foundation. I don't um, And I said to her, this is such a cool conversation to watch. Everybody that wears it, commenting about what they wear and what they love, and, you know, and I said, for me, with a non-makeup, it intrigues the shit out of me. But um, she's like, I'm really glad that you, you said that because people get judged for wearing it and judged for not. And, and I was like, yeah, I actually nearly lost jobs for not wearing it when I was being employed back in Australia. And I said, people can't just let you be you. So having like a makeup artist talk. Yeah. There's so many women like me that go into the stores and go, what do I need? And people look at you and go, don't you know? I'm like, no, no my mum didn't grandmother never wore it my aunts and uncles obviously uncles don't wear it but like well, none of my aunts do I, I wasn't brought up with <laughs> our family in Australia all of our family are over in the UK yeah and whilst they wear makeup the like the younger generations do none of the Aussies do and a lot of my cousins are male I was like <laughs> this is the same for me like, my mom did not wear makeup when I was growing up. By the time my parents divorced and my stepmom came into my life and she wears makeup, I was a lost cause by then. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I was a teenager and, um, I mean, she was just, I mean, she had just left a relationship not long and she had two boys to take care of. So she had a lot on her plate and didn't have the time to really, like, sit down and teach me. Um, so I never had that female role model and so by the time I got around women who wore makeup and could actually show me, I was just like, yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Mm, no. I remember, I remember seeing Bridget in modeling and deportment classes that we somehow got placed in by school. And the makeup guy came and he was a guy doing, like, teaching everybody how to do it. And he's like, pick up your foundation brush. And I went, which, which one's one? that? Bridget goes, I don't know, because we were – we were considered like the tomboys at school. We didn't fit in. We didn't have the same shape as anyone else. We were both very athletically built. And we literally were tomboys with how we acted because we had no idea. And the guy went, it's that one. Oh, okay. He goes, and now use it and do this. And I was like, how do I do this? Bridget's like, I don't know. She goes, maybe we'll just paint each other's faces and see what happens. And I was like, okay. He's like, no, you need to do it yourself. I was like, I have no idea how to do this. This doesn't your mum wear makeup? I was like, my mum's head of PE at this school. No. My mum does not wear makeup every day. I said, I don't I, I had never seen my mum wear makeup until the day I got married. Oh. Yeah. And then she got mineral like peptide powder put on and I, I don't think they did her eyes, but like they just evened out the skin tone sort of thing. And she looked stunning, but I know it wasn't mum because she was you could tell she was a bit uncomfortable with it all. But yeah, that guy made Bridget and I up. 
And I caught the bus home and Bridget obviously got her mum to pick her up. And on the bus ride on the way home, my brother halfway through the ride went, is Julie on the bus? And everyone goes, yeah, she's sitting down there. And he went, oh, really? And he came over and he was like, oh, my God. And I went, what? He goes, what did you do to your face? (laughs) The makeup artist at school made me a model today. And he was like, oh, that's really different. And I remember sitting there and feeling so down in the uh, dumps. You know my relationship with my brother. I I idolised him as a kid. We're really good friends now, but. Like, I, I really wish he'd gone, you look really good. But he was just like, it was such a shock for him. He was just like, oh, my God, that's my yeah. And I got home and I was like, wash my face off because it's terrible. But it's those kind of, like, conversations that need to be had where women have different opinions and different perceptions. And yeah. it's about having those open and honest conversations and being an adult versus, like, being, like, boo on yeah. you like how dare you here let me shame you like can't you have a yes. conversation on like why you decided to breastfeed or why you decided to formula feed and, and not bash yeah. each other about it like there's different yeah. reasons for everything and and women instead of like being able to come from that place of like all right we have difference in opinions and stuff's going on and being adults they instead like start being catty and shaming each yeah. other and it's like I don't want that. I want a space that women can just be themselves, have those conversations, and agree to disagree. Respectfully agree to disagree. Yes, you're, I may never, like, come to the dark side of what some people believe. Yes. <laughs> but I want to hear about their beliefs. I want yeah. to hear about their perceptions. I want to have those conversations and be able to ask questions about without being like, oh, my God, how dare you ask that question? Like, yeah. Seriously, I can't ask a question. I'm not trying to be disrespectful here. But, I mean, yeah. I've even had these conversations with um, people of different races down here because I grew up in a predominantly white area of the country, okay? Yeah. Like, we did not have – we had one – person of a different color in our entire high school one one out of hundreds of people one yeah um so it was hard when I moved down here it was a culture shock to be honest like when I moved down to Virginia even though I lived in Florida for a couple years when I was a teenager it was a culture shock because I grew up in an area that had different beliefs and different perceptions than they do down here and then I moved down here and my husband's in the military so it was automatically it wasn't like a slow ease into different culture it was like bam there it is yeah it is (laughs) and And, yeah you know yeah so it's like I I ask questions sometimes and I can tell it makes people feel uncomfortable, but I'm really curious because I don't know. I never experienced that yeah. in my life. Like, how am I supposed to know? I've been like that down here too because we're the opposite. We grew up highly multicultural. Like, we had Lebanese, Croatians, uh, Chinese, Japanese, like all the Asian cultures, a lot of European. We had Sri Lankan and some a little bit of African, but... Um, a lot of the Sudanese refugees didn't come in till I, I was well out of school. But everybody just, we were all people. We all got along and it, it didn't matter your background. It actually made you more interesting. Like the Greeks and Italian families were so much fun to go and visit because they're so open and welcoming to anybody that comes in the house. And if you go into a Greek's house, you will be fed whether you want to be fed or not. But I love that. So we take growing up pieces of different cultures and put it into our own like you come to my house I'm going to feed you whether you want to be fed because I like that about the Greeks and their traditions I like having that open door 
policy, whereas growing up, Chris will attest to this, I hated that, like, because I was brought up very much of mum and I realise now, mum and dad had a very, very strict budget, so if we wanted to have a friend for dinner, they needed to plan for that. Yeah. Whereas we do still need to do that now to an extent, but, you know, it is nice to have friends come and you just accommodate and make make the space. But coming over to America, it was a huge shock because it was almost like going back in time for me coming from another country. So I've had to have a lot of these really awkward conversations with people um, about, you know, their background and where they're from and why things are the way that they are still because in Australia we obviously don't have a lot of African-American people. Um, we don't have a lot of the under-backhanded racist things that go on that I see and go, did that really just happen? Yeah. Um, and so, like, having Fee on the show a few weeks ago, um, for me being able to sit and talk to her about culture and about life and uh, being able to play with her hair because her hair is I so know, different to anything so... I've ever I love experienced. It. I do too. I and I said to her, I love your hair. Like, it just makes me so happy. <laughs> her hair doesn't do that. <laughs> she's, been a, she, <laughs> no, she's been a huge, like, education for me in the best possible way because she allows the space for those conversations to happen from a non-judgmental or racist or, like, offensive place. It's great. And some people get offended by that. And I'm like, I'm just curious. Like, I did not grow up, like, around this. I don't understand. Like, when I moved down here, um, my daughter saw her first person of color when we were on our way moving down here. Like, she freaked the freak out. Like, like my my mom is like, my mom brought her down to me. And my mom was like, Megan, Lillian freaked out and started crying in the, the in the, in a, a restaurant. And I was like, why? And she's like, she's never seen anybody another color than her. And she's like, yeah. she's got scared. And I was like, what? Like, how is that possible? But I mean, you got to think about it if you're two years old. <laughs> And, you know, you've never experienced that before, then how are you supposed to know? And so, you know, now you wouldn't even know that she's crying at two because she's got my my children don't identify their friends by their color. They don't. Or even by their their sex. Like, it's just like the only reason I could tell is maybe their names. But sometimes those names are like Corey, where it could be a girl or a boy. (laughs) You're just like. Um, okay, we're just gonna go with this. But I like it because like, I'll ask them like, Oh, which friend of that is your which one are you talking about? Oh, the one with the puffy hair. Okay. Like, and you know, it's not like when I was growing up, like we identified people by color. And, you know, my kids don't. (laughs) they just don't the one with the puffy hair you know that sort of thing or the one with the really pretty dress you know that sort of thing so they don't even they don't even it doesn't even phase them because they're around it all the time and I love that because those are the kind of conversations and those are the kind of experiences that I want this podcast to be about like well yeah exactly and to be able to share those stories and to know that hold on you know so important to get the stories across like um, Titi's first African-American girl was a little two-year-old in the airport when we first landed. It was like two in the morning. And she went over and she had the beautiful braids with the little um, hair beads at the bottom of, of her hair and she had Mickey Mouse on her top. Like I still remember her. 
And Titi went over and held this kid's face in her hands and she went, you are the most beautiful child I've ever seen. And she's like, and I love your hair. And she was just like all over this girl. And then her mum was like, what is wrong with your daughter? And I said, oh, we're from Australia. I said, she's never seen an African-American person before. And she said, and she, she genuinely loves your daughter. Like she genuinely loves what she looks like, how she's dressed. And I said, she, she said, it's very much like a, a, a love place. And the lady was like, you're all really weird. And she got up and she left. And Taylor was like, oh. And I said to her, it's okay, T. I said, you know, sometimes you you can't always be friends with everybody, I think she, I think I said to her, you know. Some people here may be offended by by what you're saying or, you know, your, your actions. And I said, it's okay, don't, you know, don't be upset about it. And she said, but she was beautiful, Mum. And I said, I know. And she said it to a little girl in the butcher a few weeks ago. The same thing. You're so beautiful. I love your skin and it's such a gorgeous colour. And the mum looked at me and she's like, is she being rude to my child? And I said, no. I said, she genuinely, genuinely loves the colour of your skin. And I explained again we're Australian and that we don't see a lot of African-American people there. And I said, she genuinely thinks you have a beautiful child. And the mum straightened up a little bit. She goes, well, thank you very much. It's really sweet of you to say. So that kind of sealed that initial hurt of what T, T had felt like three years ago and she said to me I'm so glad that she was happy mum and I was like you really you really did make a day so that was really sweet of you to say but she was like she's that kid that will just tell you what she's thinking little kids just don't know like yeah. uh, the little girls in Audrina's class are always saying they want Audrina's hair <laughs> can I just have Audrina's really hair? hair and I was like <laughs> I don't know how we could do that honey but, you know, if I could figure it out, I'd definitely help you out with that. But it's just like they're so innocent. They don't know. Yeah. And, then, you know, um, we need to end up wrapping up the podcast. But, I mean, Jules is going to pop in here and there. And she's got she's got big, amazing things she's going to do back in Australia when she goes back. And I'm so excited for her. Um, it is sad. And it was hurtful. But the, the great yeah. thing is that we didn't dive deep into is... Yes, it was sad for us. We both felt sad. We both felt a little, like, hurt a little over it because yeah. we wanted things to work out. Um, mm. But we had, we were adults, and we had an adult conversation. It was open and honest. We did not point fingers. We were not like, how dare you? And I, from now on, I'm just, I'm blending a little more of Megan Hall Motivation with the Inspire Women podcast and not in a bad way. The Inspire Women podcast is going to stay the premise it is. I'm just moving my business a little bit closer to that premise. Because yeah. I really love pouring into women. I do. Yeah. It yeah. lights me up inside. It's the best idea too because it's we've talked about it from a nerdy branding point of view for Jules. <laughs> um, but it really is that blend of building a community and, and pouring into women and loving them and then from that space you can then grow Megan Hall motivation for those who who need that side of it as well like who couldn't you, I, I literally had this conversation with Casey McCoy um the other day she was one of our podcast guests and she's a good friend of mine and I and she's a marketing guru so if anybody's a marketing guru friend. 
<laughs> yeah. If anybody needs a marketing guru, um, Jules is the branding guru and makes all the pretty awesome things. That's gorgeous. And, <laughs> and Casey's the one that I go for like the nuts and bolts. Like, okay, yeah. how does this work? Cause I don't know how this works. Can yeah. you explain it to me? But I had this conversation with her, uh, about, about this. And I said, but really what I teach in my programs, because she's gone through my programs is it can be for any woman. It literally could be for any woman. I know that we're taught in business that we need to niche down and we need to have our ideal client, but you know, I could, I could help any woman that needs help. Like, and so that's why I'm, I'm moving Megan home motivation a little bit more towards inspired women podcast. And you guys will see more inspired women stuff. You'll see inspired women retreats, inspired women workshops and inspired women, everything. (laughs) Mugs. And bags mugs and merchandise that you can purchase with like inspirational motivational quotes. Yeah. It's yeah. coming. It's just not happening today, but it's coming. It's it sure all this is. stuff that I it's really about motivating and inspire women to be their own version um of themselves, to to create their own version of a thriving life. That's what I was trying to say. Um, <laughs> motivating, motivating and inspiring women to create their own version of a thriving life. So whatever that looks like to them. So yeah, and I'm excited. And I'm excited that Jules is still going to be a part of it, just not the part that you guys expected. And the reason we waited to air this podcast is because... Uh, we wanted to make sure all of the episodes with Jules that are part of it. So there's no confusion like, oh my God, I thought she said she wasn't be a part of it, but now she's part of yeah. this episode. So <laughs> now the confusion is going to be over and things will be yeah. like switching around a little bit, but it's still going to be awesome. It's still going to be amazing. And I'm still coming in to do cameos every now and then too, because I do love being able to hang out with you and talk to you. That's probably going to be the hardest part and was probably the biggest part of me not telling you to start with was I, I, didn't separate myself from the business to begin with um but then I realized that our friendship has nothing to do with our business like while we're still friends and we we love working together they weren't one and the same which I think is where you holding space during that conversation of I need to ask you this question I feel like this and this is going on how does that look for you and I went this message hurt my feelings, but it was because I knew I had to have the conversation and I genuinely wanted to, I didn't want to, and then because you had asked first, that made my like little guilty box go, oh, quick attack, but it wasn't. like I knew that didn't need to happen and it was really nice that we could have that conversation and not have any nastiness or pain or like attacking around it. We could genuinely say, this is kind of what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. And we went, yeah, that's, that is a band-aid that needs torn off and we really need to do it I think like sooner or later. That's where a lot of relationships go wrong when they're, you know, you mix business with friendship and instead of keeping them separate, like this is the business, these are the business decisions, these are the rules, regulations, boundaries around the business, and this is our friendship. A lot of times they both end at the same time because there is no separation. And there has to be separation when you're doing business with your friends there has to be separation there has to be boundaries there can't be that bleeding over like literally um I have to have my my clients who are my friends and I have to say is this a friend conversation or a life coach conversation (laughs) (laughs) because it's just you know you have to have that separation that's the reason that we 
can be like, there's no bad blood. We're not bashing each other. We're not getting at each other's throats because we separated the two. And it was, it was not easy, but it, it happened. And it was great because we got to have those conversations and we had the conversation about what would happen if one of us didn't want to be part of the podcast before this even came along. Like before we started, before we started, we had those hard conversations. We set those boundaries and we knew what was happening. So Jules, we're going to miss you being a part of the podcast every time. It's hurting my heart. (laughs) I don't want to hurt your heart. And you never know, like we might get home and be able to do a bunch of, of podcasts again. This, this may be temporary and it may be longer term, but I'll always be part of it, even yeah. just making things pretty. <laughs> Jules does the pretty things because Megan's not as good at it. I'm learning, though. Are you? Yeah. Did you see the, the welcome thing that I made for the, the community? Yeah, but I'll go have a look. Yeah, I did it by myself. Yay! It was pretty, it was pretty <laughs> fantastic. So thank you guys for joining us. I hope that you will join our community uh, on Facebook, the Inspired Women Community. Jules is a part of that. I'm a part of that. We're there to support people. Um, we're there for everything. And and get uh, get in there and find out about this Inspired Women Retreat. We're, we're getting information right now, but it's going to happen. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the Inspired Women podcast. If you're a woman in search of a positive, supportive community, we'd love to have you join us. Just search the Inspired Women community on Facebook and click the join button. Don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, and share this out with your friends. We'll see you next week.